Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to another episode of Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know. How are you? I feel like we haven't spoken for a while. I'm talking to the audience, not you, Julie. answering on their behalf. The audience is good. My name is Miranda Selwood and with me at the table today... Julie Eisentrager. Zane C. Weber. And our first repeat guest. Welcome back, Patrick Aiken. Hello. You can't get rid of me. I'm, I'm the we herpes of guests. <laughs> <laughs> you well, think I'm gone? You had a good couple of weeks, but then I crept I'm not back even in. You gonna, got an itch. I'm not even going to fill the prescription for the cream. Oh, my God. You're enjoying my present I company. I am enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. That's hmm. great. I'm not sure how I feel about this. About the herpes analogy. Yeah. You're not it's, sure. I'm the one who... It doesn't matter. It's the lip kind. <laughs> it's a lip kind, Zane. You're yeah, fine. everyone really has it. Like, it's one of those things we people say they don't have it. it. Everyone's got a little bit of mouth herpes. I don't. You don't? No. I mean, I, I've never actually had a cold sore. I'm one of the, the cherished pure few, but I'm sure Julie... You and me, high five. Have, then, you, ever, what? have you ever had a little what? bit of a mouth herpy? Did you just say, I'm sure... Julie, <laughs> you can't... No. I, I just opened right. the floor to you. I 100% we have. You have, okay, yeah. No. I feel like we should move on to the getting to know you section because... Move away from the herpes? Which yeah. we will call the getting to know you Again. Again. Getting to know you again. Because now that we know that you don't have herpes, yes. we can talk well, about the actual important things. Okay, well, <laughs> we don't need to anyway, like, examine we'll skip that, that question. Further. The STD yeah. question will start <laughs> off the list. <laughs> um, yeah. um, what is your STI status? <laughs> oh, that's not, not on there. That, that's not on there. In fact... We haven't even we haven't even you know got ourselves together to write a new set of questions because it was uh, we were just it's only a few weeks ago it was yeah yeah because you s- I feel very loved yeah I feel well, very loved, loved and loved. wanted um, but we're just going to get you to answer the same questions again okay because um, everyone but, has more than one dream but role. better yes but better this yes. time okay okay just more truthful and more Patrick okay and F- fire away which musical character would other people compare you to Julie. Yeah, okay, we're going to get Julie to do this because um, Julie, Julie wasn't, wasn't here. here for my first episode, which was, I like, I took it as a personal attack and that's fine. It was. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't a personal attack on you. Oh, oh, we'll get into that later. Um, <laughs> wow. But, so, Julie, first impressions. Looking at the, um, the soft, dodgy man in front of you, <laughs> who would you, who would you cast me as? Wow, that was way too much information. Um, Major General from Pirates. Yeah, or I'll pay. I'll pay that. Yeah, I'll pay that. I will too. I'd have fun with it. But that's. I think that's 
really strongly based off the fact that when I did first meet you, we were doing Kiss Me Kate. Yes. And I'm pretty sure you were playing, I don't know, maybe in general. I was pretty sleep deprived. Look, Julia, I'm before. not sure what I was playing in that. <laughs> I, had a, I had a fantastic costume. Um, Aviator sunglasses. And I had my sunglasses Parky. on. Parky. And it was great. And I put on a, a, let's call it a flexible American accent. Um, oh, she, won she won them. I do remember. No, it was really good. Yeah. And I mean, people in the army move around a lot. They so do. you're bound to pick up a lot of variations. Exactly. On... That was a character choice I <laughs> yeah. made on yeah. the night. Yeah, no. Um, oh. I mean, you had 24 hours to really think about that <laughs> character. Oh, to be fair, I think I had the most time out of anyone to prepare and I still minced a couple of my lines. But everyone it's was fine. tired. It was it's fine. fine. We got to the end of the um, Which musical character would you like other people to compare you to? Okay. Do you remember what you said last time? I do. Last time I picked two female characters from Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. Um, so Maria and Sonia. Because right. they're both wonderful people and they both strive to make sure that the right thing is always done. They go about it in different ways, but yeah, they're wonderful. This time I'm going to pick Judas from Jesus oh, Christ right. Superstar. So uh, we went from wonderful doing the right thing people to uh, wonderful doing the right thing guy. Yeah, well, definitely. <laughs> and like, I'm talking about like in Jesus Christ Superstar, the musical where really, everyone, I feel like everyone puts on that musical incorrectly. The show is like a bunch of hippie dudes and Judas goes, hi guys, this has all become a little bit celebrity, a little bit nonsense. It's about Jesus. It's not about the message doing good thing anymore. The opening number, he goes, Jesus, what are you doing? We used to be cool. Now it's all about you. And he's the villain? Yeah. He's trying to keep it on the straight and narrow. He's trying to do the right thing and sure he might end up doing it in the wrong Hot way. But takes here from Patrick His heart Aiken. was in the right place and he has the best song in the show. Yes, plural, I won't plural disagree songs. with that. Heaven on their minds. Yeah. Just... Mm. Oh, that's a spicy meatball. You see that? Like, go to G- next time someone puts on Jesus Patrick, Christ Superstar. Patrick to would will. like to be compared to the spicy meatball of yes. Jesus Christ Superstar. Well, and honestly, if you go to see JCS when it's put on, and it will be put on by a small theatre company in your local area within the next year, it will. <laughs> go see it. Stay for heaven on their minds. Feel free to leave after that. Oh, it's the best song in the show. Best song in the show. So harsh. <laughs> I'm, I have strong. Up and down feelings about JCS, but we won't get into that. I have feelings, they're strong. I'm not sure what they are, but yeah. what's your dream role? Okay, last time I said Trunchbull, and it is Trunchbull, and it will always be Trunchbull. Oh, but what's your second, second, that dream has died, dream. let's go to the next one. This week I listened to a show that I haven't listened to in a very long time, and I thought, you know what, I would love to play Dr. Parker from Bad Boy. Mm. Yeah, I listened, it's a good role. I listened to Dance With Me Darling, and I was like, that's a goal. That song is a, ah, uh, yeah, and he's he's fun, and his parts are great. So um, playing a crazy person is always fun. Yeah, and again, it's another role like Trunchbull that Zane would do better. How dare <laughs> no, you? You would. No. Zane would be fantastic as Doctor Parker. Anyway, um, yeah, he's great. What's your favorite Sondheim show? Second favorite, obviously. Oh, cause... okay. So Assassins is the top, as always. Um, Follies is really good. Ooh, I believe that's the first Follies we've had. I think well, a couple of people have mentioned it, but I, like I think fo- he's the first one. Yeah. I like Follies. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, but I like some a great lot of Sondheim. Sunday in the Park with George is great. Into the Woods, everyone says it, but it is, it's, it's charming. Yeah. But yeah, Follies is really good. Oh, thanks, Patrick. I don't know why I'm... (laughs) A little little condescending. No, 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 not at all. Oh, no, that's just your voice. She's now speaking on behalf of... I said I always get follies and passion. 
passion. mixed up, yeah. and I don't know why. So I might be talking about passion. Who knows? I'm pretty we sure I'm talking about had bullies. Passion Welcome up to I believe my world. Sam Boyd. Oh, okay. Uh, loves oh, passion. What a man. Someone else said passion yeah. as what a man. well. James Gorsey. James, James Gorsey. Yeah. I loved that episode. That was a good episode. You're welcome. Sorry. I wasn't there. Oh, no. Wait, it was. Why it was good. Bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson. No, you weren't I there. wasn't there. I listened to it. Different. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if any of our listeners have that problem where they think they're here with us. Uh, me all the time. Oh, I walked in today and I was like, Julie, how are you? <laughs> we have barely met. Um, <laughs> Not true. You've done a show together. You're yeah, best true, friends. True. Uh, what is your go-to shower song? Uh, at How the have moment, we been feeling is... this week? Oh, okay. It last time it was. Um, oh, what was it? Wicked little town from Heather's. Mm. Not Heather's from Hedwig and the Angry <laughs> I was Inch. Say, wow. Like, that's, that's, I, 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 I saw that like, like that. a week ago, and I don't remember that song mm-hmm. being in. I it. can't sing any of the songs in Heather's. I'd love to. They're all great. Um, it is night will come. The night will come from this show, the show we're doing today. But we'll get to that. From Groundhog yeah. Day. Did we yeah. mention that already? No, I've just mentioned it then. What show Announcement we doing? time, everybody. <laughs> Surprise! It's Groundhog only the Day. title of the episode <laughs> and everybody. has customised cover arts. What show are oh. we doing? Groundhog Day. The musical. What show are we doing? Groundhog Day. The musical. I can't play Oh, this you game. have to do it three times. <laughs> three times is the gag, Julie. What show are we doing? Groundhog Day. The musical. Yep. Okay. Uh, you have to delete one musical from existence. Another one, Patrick. Yeah. You're just out there going bam, 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 shooting them all down. You're Broadway's vengeful, worst I, nightmare. I'm a vengeful god. Um, I'm Ooh. going to delete. Oh, what is it? I would What's like to thought? see you play God in just something. Uh, Monty Python's God, maybe yeah. in Spamalot. There you I could go. Be, yeah, well, Eric Idle sends the recording with the right. It doesn't have to know. all be about Eric Idle all the time. Are we okay? saying he's I not as good as Eric Spell, about that? Oh, oh, true. There you go. There, there are a few God musicals about. Okay. Anyway, Danny what Girl? are you deleting? That God figure. Um, I'm going to delete Dear Evan Hansen. Controversial. Um, good thing KB's not here because yeah, she would kill you. I know. There's a couple, couple of reasons. Okay. I'm sick of hearing about it. Fair. It's got the four first songs in that show are maybe some of the best modern musical theatre pop songs I've heard in a while. True. The rest of the show I could not care less about. Um, I, I just, it does nothing for me at all. And also, Dear Evan Hansen introduced me to what I believe has been a long-time problem on Broadway, but I wasn't aware of, where one show sweeps the Tonys and all the other amazing shows that are on have to close because they didn't win any Tonys. Except yeah. for Waitress. She's still going. Waitress still pumping. still going after Hamilton. Which, she survived. Like, wow, she survived. After, amazing. No, she was Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It was Dear Evan Hansen that swept Waitress everything. Waitress wasn't nominated this year for yeah. a Tony, was it? I thought it yeah. was last year. No, it was this year. It's only been yeah. playing for a little while. Oh, goodness me. It's the same year as Dear Evan Hansen. She made it. She crushed that it. That is insane. Wikipedia lied to me. I thought I knew what I was talking about. Look at that. Waitress. Yeah, 2016. Waitress. Don't talk to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're off topic. Oh, um, oh. And so I believe, Dear Evan Hansen, everyone's like, it's the best musical ever. Oh my God, it's so amazing. I don't think it's as good as everyone says it is. I think it's great. I prefer the music from Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 and from Groundhog Day to Dear Evan Hansen's score and music. It doesn't have any orchestration. I think it has a lot of things that let it down. So what you're saying is you're just really bitter. I'm really bitter about Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> so bitter that I want to wipe it from history. But there's wow. other shows that have this same problem that wipe out a year at the Tonys and kill I mean, a lot of shows. Mormon was one of them. Mormon was one of them. And yeah. they just captured the zeitgeist like Hamilton. Dear Evan Hansen did. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'm going to delete it. It's gone. 
take wow. Ben Platt. We give guests this power. Yeah, we, we have do. to respect what they do with it. We if do. you lose subscribers, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand your point, though, and mm. it, it, is, it is a sad sort of situation where a, a show is a great show, but it might not be as popular yeah. or it might just be sitting under the award mark for you know, all the awards. It might yes. have the same number or more nominations, but because it doesn't win, it it gets sort of pushed down the ladder and out of the theatre. Yeah. When, when Zane and I were in New York not that long ago, I literally cried tears <laughs> when um, after this, you know, full house standing ovation of a show and... Um, several. There were several standing ovations throughout the throughout. show. Yes, and wow. <laughs> the curtain comes down and the guy next to me goes, oh, such a sad thing that it's closing. And it was closing because they didn't win enough Tonys. They won no. two Tonys. It was after midnight. Two was not a enough. Show. Oh. They won two Tonys, but in, in their contract to stay in the theatre, they needed yep. three. I mean, guys, that's why I'm not like working as an actress. It's just because I've not won enough Tonys. All you've got to do is win a Tony. Just and, win and a Tony, it's, it's really frustrating. Like, I was over um, in America recently and I, I luckily got to see Groundhog Day, which is why I've picked it for today because I fell in love with this show. Um, but, again, these Groundhog Day and um, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, which is another show that I got to see, were struggling to sell their tickets. Um, and they were struggling to get people in the theatre. Amazing reviews amazing shows, like top quality shows, not just for the year, but for all of musical theatre. Yeah. In the general discussion in the media, people were only talking about Dear Evan Hansen. There just wasn't enough, like, space in the conversation for any other show. And you just see these amazing shows just not get the attention and love they deserve, which is why we're talking about one today. Yes. It deserves the love. Let's do it. Let's talk about it, Patrick. Excited. Okay, before we do get into talking about Groundhog Day, though, Patrick, I've been told by a little birdie that you have brought us Broadway news. Okay, I felt guilty after the last time I was on the pod because I didn't have any news, and I think Good. we just, we just should have felt the guilty. section altogether. And that was <laughs> my, that was my do. fault. That was my fault. Sometimes we do skip the section. Yeah. We, we don't rely on our guest providers with news. We hope that Broadway does that, but okay. no one from Broadway called us today. So, Well, I have some amazing news and I think you'll realise how amazing it is. Um, and I'm not being sarcastic. You are before. overselling it. So, Broadway <laughs> news. Dear Evan Hansen is asking for fans to record themselves singing You Will Be Found um, for, quote, Broadway's first virtual choir. Ooh. Um, that said, while it is titled Broadway's first virtual choir, There's a the recordings... Lot of- fingers going yeah, on there's there. there's lots yeah. of air quotes. Um, while it's called Broadway's first virtual choir, the recording will be made into a music video that will be put on the internet. So not in the stage musical, not on Broadway. So it's not really Broadway's first so virtual choir at all. This is a YouTube choir. Yeah, it's just it's, some intern with iMovie and an internet YouTube account. Broadway um, adjacent. Yeah, it's. I mean, the internet 
is probably connected to locations on Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> so you could probably watch this on I'm YouTube while a you lot are on Broadway. Judgment flying around the table um, at the moment. To be honest, like I just Patrick don't see is, the point. Patrick is leaning in and he's getting louder. Like, I've deleted very... this musical. They are not allowed <laughs> to do to this revive it. anymore. They're trying to revive it. They're trying to bring it back on the internet. I'm against it. No. Um, I honestly think it, it's a it's a way to bring some publicity to the musical now that Platt is leaving. Yes. Uh, so I think it's also about engaging that the audience in that part of the story because yes, that that moment in the show is, is about yeah. a whole bunch of people from all around the world getting on the social media train and sharing this idea. So I see what they're doing as both a publicity grab and kind of a nice way to do it. Yeah, and, and cynicism aside, and it'll creep back in. I'm a very <laughs> cynical guy. Um, uh, I think it is, it, it's a nice move, and especially for their core audience for that musical, when, again, seeing the audience over there, it's a lot of, it's a very teen audience. Yeah. Um, and it's getting teen audiences engaged in discussions around mental health. And while I don't think Dear Evan Hansen handles its mental health themes as well as it could and doesn't provide a lot of solutions for the problems it brings up, mm. I think getting people engaged in that and talking about it and getting young teens to engage in this song and share that discussion around mental health and health care, I think is brilliant. So kudos said, for that. I would love to see it incorporated into the musical at some point. That would be so cool. Point. It it's would be like so cool. It's a missed opportunity. Maybe they yeah. will. Maybe they're just I, I think they're down. waiting maybe to see what the quality is like. They're going to see what it's like yeah. first. And then maybe <laughs> a few of them or will make it into yeah, the show. If, or, yeah, yeah. Because if I record, it's, it's not getting into the show, let's be honest. Look, Patrick, um, if you um, put it all together, like you won't hear one individual voice. I might just mime. Oh, Julie, could you sing for me and I could just, <laughs> you could be my voice? It can be done. It's very singing done. in the rain. I will be found. <laughs> <laughs> my voice will be found. Um, two little tidbits of news as well. Um, Magic Mike, the musical, is that a thing that everyone knew was happening? No. <sighs> no Apparently that's tell happening. Tell me no. Apparently no, that's you. happening. Um, that's just a live show. It might just show. be a rumour. Oh, look, I'm not against it. Though against I will it. say for Julie, it is... Probably the ideal musical. <laughs> oh, oh Julie, goodness. I will to cast Zac Efron in. <gasps> Julie, yes. Yes, we'll he have can to bump together. and grind his way everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> And has Moulin Rouge the musical been discussed on the pod yet? It hasn't. We're waiting for some like where we've announced we've covered that it's been announced that it has got a uh, a production crew. Team. What about the lead cast? We haven't discussed that because mm. I want more. You want more? Okay. I want more than. <laughs> just we'll leave it on the, the sizzle. Yeah. yeah, because I don't care about that casting. The people who they have cast. It's all the other interesting characters you want to know the cast for. So we'll leave it on the sizzle. I want to know Let's... who's going to play Zidler. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's oh, guys, that right? it's me. I'm oh playing Fiddler. Why didn't you voiced tell me before now? Miranda, Miranda, Miranda I don't know. Live Give them the, the full news. It's you voiced by Julie Asentrager. Yes. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I had a thought. I had a feeling, you know, in yeah. my waters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So let us talk about the show for which we are here, Groundhog Day. I'm so excited, yes. Yes. Patrick. Okay. No, I'm handling this one. What? Yep. Ooh, yeah. yeah. You're going to do the okay. history of the show? I'm doing the history. I'm not going to lie. I got a bit nervous, basically, because I've seen Miss Eisentrager 
tear the music of shows apart before. I've seen The Rage, I've seen The Fury. Okay. And I was like, knowing this show and the style of music that it is... You and didn't want Julie got, touching no, it with a 10-foot well, pole. Part of me was afraid that she'd rip my heart out. <laughs> um, the other part of me thought this show is the kind of show where the music is very much um, in play with watching the show and seeing it unfold. It's not song, scene, song, scene, song, scene. So I thought I'd maybe want to do the music. So I asked Zane if I could and he said yes because he's nice. Was there any well, part of you that would consider that I actually really like the music in there? Julie, I'm terrified of you. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't feel comfortable saying whether I thought Julie would or would not like the musical. <laughs> And I'm scared for my babies. She's an unpredictable beast. It's, it's, it's oh. true. I've um, seen the bloodshed. I listened to the pod. <laughs> so well, Zane's covering the history? Zane's going to cover the history. the history then. I'm excited. Yeah. Zane, are you ready? I am. I have prepared. So You're... I am part of a, a film podcast. So I feel that I am You're uniquely ready. qualified at this table to talk about Groundhog Day. Based on the original uh, 1993 Bill Murray film, what a of film. course. What a guy. What a film. Well, a it is... I just enjoy that Bill Murray, Bill, played a person called Phil. I was like, <laughs> you couldn't have just used a little more imagination there. Well, look, he didn't write it and it, and it wasn't... Doesn't matter. Technically written changed for it him. More. And it's also a joke because the groundhog is named Phil. Yeah. You could have renamed all of them. They could have all been called Bill. Yeah, to be fair, you can also rename the Groundhog, can't you? <laughs> Moving on to the history of the show, Miranda. There you go. So it's it my was, one issue. It's my one issue. It was originally a movie, and the movie is very consistently number one best comedy of all time. Really? In countless lists. Uh, really? Empire Magazine, Film Nation... It's best comedy. It's very good. It has been in the American Film Institute has rated it number eight greatest film of all time. Get out of town. I'll have to give it a watch then. Won't you I? haven't seen I it. I haven't seen it. Oh, Julie, get oh. around it. It's a very funny film. There's and it's only... very kind of a dark comedy. Oh, bit of I mean, dark it's dark. I mean, there's only two films in this world that I can stand watching Andy McDowell in. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, can I guess? It's this one. Four Weddings and a Funeral? Four Weddings and a Funeral. Andy. See, I've only ever seen her in Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah, what else Um, is she in? Maybe that's why I'm not opposed. Green card with Gerard Depardieu. Oh, Um, Gerard. Almost passable. Almost. Almost. She almost gets away. Okay. So the first mention of a musical of Groundhog Day was August 2003 Mm. when someone asked Sondheim what his next project might be. And he said that he was interested in the idea of a musical adaptation of Groundhog Day. I know. I know. I, read, I only read this like two days ago and I was just like, what? Goodness gracious. 2003. Oh, so no. Sondheim was quite old then. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking it would be just like Into the Woods, wouldn't it? Kind of. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Into <would>. the Woods. <laughs> yeah, over yeah. and over and over. So that lasted for five years until 2008 when he, in, in another interview, he said that trying to make a musical of Groundhog Day would be gilding the lily. It can't be improved. Like the, the text as it is, is... So do you think he spent some time sort of trying to see where he could take it? I what, think so. What I'm saying is that Tim Minchin did what Sondheim could not. I'm putting it well, out there. <laughs> Well, it wasn't wasn't just Minchin. So it wasn't always Minchin that did it. So Harold Ramis um, 
revealed that Danny Rubin had been working on Ooh. the musical version of the film. So Rubin had got the concept together uh, and had already got 12 song ideas uh, whittled down from 30. So he'd been working on it a long time before the director or mention were brought on. Wow. Uh, so he got to a point where he couldn't go any further without a composer. Uh, he reached out to uh, Matthew Walkers, who is the director of Groundhog Day, and Walkers recommended Minchin, who had just finished writing the songs for Matilda. Uh, so they got oh, together. And show. so Ruben felt that um, his work on Matilda that he can write, I've got a direct quote here, can write songs that are funny and moving and smart and beautiful. A very run-on sentence. And so the three started adapting what Ruben had uh, worked out for the book. So at this point, was the show associated with um, RSC? No, no. So because they did... Um, they did Matilda. Mentions Matilda. Yes. Yeah. So was it then Tim Minchin that was the connection back to RSC to produce it? Perhaps. Uh, I didn't really... I'm musing. I yeah. don't know. I couldn't Confirm. tell you. I'm sorry. I haven't done my research. Julie? Julie? <laughs> the world premiere was the Old Vic Theatre in London. And that was the RSC production. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Curious. Yeah, Stephen <laughs> like Sondheim was on board for a while. Isn't that just yeah. madness? And I think what's, I suppose, the, the similarity that Minchin and Sondheim do have is that they both are wordy and they're both very good with their lyrics and it's something that... They're clever. It's of, that intelligent humour that... Like annoyingly erudite. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost frustrating. Um yeah, and I don't know, there's a lot of modern composers and writers who just, I don't know, I feel like lyrics sometimes get left as an afterthought. You listen to some shows and... When the music and the lyrics are written separately, I mm. think that's when we run into a lot of trouble, whereas Minchin and Sondheim well, write both. Exactly, and I mean, because mm, you'll find mm, yourself mm. in a in a sort of place where all of a sudden the front bit is called the facade. You don't want that to happen. You don't want that to happen. That is a bad example because he wrote the music and lyrics. Oh, goodness. Oh, oh, we're back where we started. He's just better at one than the other. Right. So, like you said, um, Minchin brought in a lot of the creative team from Matilda. So uh, the choreographer, et cetera, et cetera. So they, they all got together to work on this. It premiered in, in London uh, as part of Walkers' debut season as artistic, artistic director of the theatre. So, yeah, that's the story of how it came to be. It's a very, it's, it doesn't have a long history because it's a very, very new show. Mm. Yeah, well, um, So that was mm. 2016? Yeah. 2016. And, and then, then it, it opened on Broadway on in March 2017. And it closed this September. Yep. That's upsetting. Mm. I, uh, my heart broke. I was probably too emotional <laughs> about the closing of Groundhog Down Broadway, but apparently it's um, getting ready for a national tour. Is that right, Zane? Yes. Yeah, so it is getting ready for a national tour and it is looking to transfer back to the West End. Yes. So oh, it, it's not... Dead. It's just not on mm. Broadway anymore. We'll have to visit KB. I have faith in this it. show. I think. I think it's. I think it's got legs. I. I think it's also something that once it it enters the stratosphere of amateur rights, it will get done a lot mm. because it, it's a recognisable entity. 
plus it has great characters, great music, and the name of Minchin behind it. So yeah. Mm. It's, it's going to exist in our community for a very long time and I think it will stick around and become one of those shows that gets done very regularly. Look, I've got my fingers crossed. I really So do. one of the things that I was surprised at is that I didn't... In all of the publicity that I saw about Groundhog Day, I didn't see it associated with Minchin as much as I did Matilda... Tim mentions Matilda or uh-huh. Matilda. Oh, really? See, yeah, I so. only knew of it because of Tim Mention. Right, okay. I had and seen... His, like, I first it, heard of it in his posts on his own social media. Yeah, Instagram was where mm. I first... Yeah. I was like, oh, Tim Mention's doing Grand Hotel. Is he as big in America? I know he's very big in England and he's huge here. Is it because Matilda had such a long sort of and strong West, like English West End opening that it became Tim Minchin's Matilda and so when it transferred it was already that kind of branding and because it was much more quickly Maybe. to bring yeah. I'm not sure. But that is an interesting point. Yeah. It's just, I, I wasn't as aware of it as I was with Matilda. Mm. Yeah. Right. That, that's pretty much all the history there is because, again, it's all this We're year. We're waiting for more. Yeah. Um, but Harold Ramis, the original writer of the original movie... Gave it full green light. Mm-hmm. He, he passed away before it opened, of oh, course. No. Why um, do people keep doing that? He was quite old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, right. it wasn't, well, it wasn't before, a surprise. Before we all get much older, um, <laughs> let's move on to talking about what happens in the show over and over again. <laughs> So Julie is going to tell us all about what happens in the show. Act one. Dun, dun, dun. Enter the groundhog. (laughs) It is his day. (laughs) For it is groundhog day. Phil Connors, an arrogant TV weatherman, is dreading his trip to Poxitani, PA, to do a report on the annual Groundhog Day ceremony. For those playing at home, that's Bill Murray. But not in this case. No, I'm just, you know. Believing it is beneath him. Um, as his weather van arrives in town, the people of Poxitani are hoping that the groundhog Poxitani Phil will not see his shadow, signifying an end to the winter and the start of spring. <coughs> Point of order. Point of order? Poxitani. Poxitani. Punks? That's it. Whatever. Punks are tawny. I'm going to keep saying it wrong for the whole thing just to annoy you both now. (laughs) Poxitani. I love it. I'll say how I want. (laughs) Change it every time. I will. Pixitini. (laughs) The next morning, Phil awakes on February 2nd, full of scorn for everything and everyone he encounters on his way to Gobbler's Knob. Yeah, it's called Gobbler's Knob. It's amazing. (laughs) Every time. I can't help it. But I I feel, I want to think and believe (laughs) that that name is the... The first and primary reason why Tim Minchin signed on. <laughs> I want that to do has... a show that has a place called Gobbler's, Gobbler's Knob. Knob in it. Let's just keep it PG, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so on his way Knob. to uh, Gobby's Knob, where <laughs> the annual ceremony takes place. Oh, no. <laughs> when he arrives there, he meets with his cameraman Larry and his new producer Rita before the Groundhog's forecast of six more weeks of winter. While Phil and Rita eat lunch, Larry packs, yeah, packs up the van, preparing for their nick off. Um, Sheriff enters telling them there's a bad snowstorm coming and they have closed every road out of town, keeping them from leaving that day. 
Rita makes her entry in her journal before Groundhog Day banquet, and the townspeople remain ever hopeful for this coming spring. The next morning, Phil wakes on February 2nd, and he confusedly... Is that a word? Yes. Confusedly relives the morning over again, including a run-in with the obnoxious high high school classmate, Ned Ryerson. I say, one of my favourite parts of this show is him... uh, just talking to the radio broadcast, saying that you're you're fired because you're playing yesterday's tapes. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, the denial from his on the second. Mm. Legitimately, like my favourite couple of bars <laughs> of this show is played so many times. And I'm so pleased. Um, is it the same song as the movie? No, 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 no. no. It's an original song. It's the radio broadcast is a great. Excellent. They make such it's, terrible it's not, jokes. It's not Sunny and Cher. Oh. <laughs> So Phil begrudgingly reports on the ceremony again, which has the same result as the day before, and Rita enjoys the festivities after commenting in her journal about Phil's odd behaviour. The next morning, Phil wakes on February 2nd and, fearing a mental breakdown, consults every doctor and healer in the town, none of which are medically qualified, (laughs) who suggest a variety of ridiculous remedies. Phil decides to self-medicate at a bar instead and finds camaraderie with two drunks who are stuck in a rut and live every day just the same as the day before. The trio take advantage of not having a future and drive recklessly on the train tracks and evade cops before they are caught and Phil is arrested. The next morning, (laughs) Phil awakes on February 2nd with a newfound skip in his step as he openly treats others terribly. Oh, that would be a good day. (laughs) <laughs> I think we found our film. One of the lessons to learn from the show <laughs> As he openly treats others terribly Does as he pleases And uses his repeated days to meet And reintroduce himself to Nancy Taylor A local woman Oh, oh, oh. A local woman A local Ooh. woman that he tricks into sleeping with Yeah, him. what he does is very clever He actually goes up to her on one day and says Hi there, what's your name? Sorry, who was your high school English teacher? And she goes, oh, what? And gives the name. And he's like, oh, cool, thanks. Comes back the next day, being February 2nd, and goes, Nancy, remember Mr. Wright's class? We were in English together. And she, being polite, is like, oh, oh, yeah, of course. And And she, being polite, is, oh, yeah, of course, and then sleeps with him. Well, and then he's... It's only polite, Miranda. (laughs) Phil Phil is very arrogant, but also very charming. And so that's how he gets her into the conversation. It's a great scene, but he is a... Absolute bastard. Yeah, well, <laughs> on that, fresh out of Nancy, he, oh! <laughs> he sets his sights on Rita. And then he's like, yep, yeah, I'm into that. Well, wants to be into that. Oh my he gosh. spends several days trying to manufacture her perfect date and grows more manic as he inevitably keeps failing. With success never in sight, Phil wonders why he couldn't repeat a better day with Rita. And um, Rita wonders if she'll ever meet a man who can live up to her intense specifications. Oh, Rita might be me. Rita's probably me. Rita's a great role. Are you just everyone in this musical? I would like to be. (laughs) One woman show, guys. (laughs) I'm booking it. (laughs) And the townspeople wonder if they will ever do all the things they've been putting off waiting for some idealised future. The next morning, Phil wakes on February 2nd and smashes his alarm clock. Act two. So that's the uh, dramatic end to act one. The oh, smashing of said alarm clock. Very dramatic. Mm. Some would say staged. <laughs> Ooh. Act two. 
Act two opens on yet another Groundhog Day ceremony as Nancy Taylor contemplates her behaviour patterns and how she presents herself. She probably should. Phil... (laughs) All right. Poor Nancy. Phil arrives at Gobbler's Knob (laughs) for his broadcast and interrupts his report to shoot... Let's just all say it together because I can't say it right, apparently. Paxatoni. Paxatoni, Phil. And then himself. Not shoot with the camera... Shoot with, with a gun, gun, guys. Yes. He kills the groundhog in cold blood and then commits suicide on the stage. Bang, bang. It's amazing. You shut me down. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. unexpected. That is a good open the to act are, two, though. Yeah, the movie's a dark comedy. The musical does not shy away from that. Oh, okay, it's good. It's great. The next morning, Phil wakes on February 2nd and exhausts every way to kill himself, vowing not to give up and that one day he will successfully commit suicide. Yay! Phil returns to the diner with nothing to lose, tells Rita what is happening, proving his claims by spouting off facts about the townspeople, predicting their actions, and finally telling Rita things he has learned about her. Intrigued, Rita spends the day with Phil, learning various things he's done about town and theorising what she should do in his shoes. That evening, Rita goes to the B&B to see what happens when the day starts over but falls asleep first. The next morning... Phil wakes on February 2nd, alone again, and decides to engage with the townspeople and better himself by learning piano. What a boring day. Phil learns that... (laughs) It's not one day. (laughs) Phil learns that Ned's wife has died, and later that evening, Phil finds a homeless man dead in the park, which he spends several days trying to prevent, before accepting that some things are inevitable. On a new Groundhog Day, Phil delivers a surprising, profound broadcast before running about town all day helping the townspeople. He's making up for being a dick on day three-ish. Yeah, yeah. Rita arrives at the banquet and overhears uh, everyone in town raving about what Phil has done for them that day, only to discover he is also playing in the band. In a bachelor auction, Rita buys a dance with Phil and kisses him. (gasps) It's cute. It's Just because so he can play cute. the piano now. I would kiss a lot of people that could play the he piano. He also, spoiler it, buys her a pair of really big showy Ugg boots, really fluffy ones, because one of the things he learns is that she always gets numb toes because she wears, quote, inappropriate socks. And oh. so it's this really Aww. cute little gift that he gets her if as well. If someone wants to buy me a pair of sparkly Ugg boots, yeah. I'd probs kiss them. And it's a thank you gift because um, they've actually worked together before on production, but she thought that he'd forgotten. So it's, it's a little cute moment. Oh, Um, okay, so both of them are feeling that they are only just learning what each other is actually like. The next morning, Phil wakes to find Rita still in his room (gasps) and a fresh layer of snow covering the ground outside. Oh, my God. Thoroughly overjoyed at finally being able to leave, Phil agrees to spend the day with Rita. Oh, sorry. (laughs) She can't read, kids. Though overjoyed at finally being able to leave, Phil agrees to spend the day with Rita. They start their day watching the sunrise on February 3rd. Oh. So that's how you fix it. If you ever get stuck in a cycle of one day over and over again. Buy Ugg boots. Sleep with Rita. Oh, okay, that too. (laughs) <laughs> you have to do both. I, th- I think I think it's more of like Learn doing your life good lessons. things all day, make the day great for everyone, reveal your true self, grow as a person, then sleep with Rita. But you yeah, still yeah, get sleeping with Rita is like that's that's your you know that's your abracadabra. Yeah, that yeah. has to happen. That's the like, but that won't happen until every the final no, flick no. of the wand. No, yeah. 
All right. So is that is that the end? That is the end. Is um, there the next the morning finale? on February second? No. <laughs> <laughs> so just a little bit of trivia in the original movie. Um, the, the theory was that he was stuck there for 10,000 years. Whoa. And that is what happens in the musical as well. There yeah. are lots of lines and lyrics that suggest he has been there like what feels like forever. And one of the hilarious discussions he has with Rita is he walks up to her and goes, I think I'm a god. And, and she's like, what are you talking about? He's like, and he says, I'm the god of this place, meaning Punxsutawney. And, On this um, one specific day. And he literally stands there going, clock. And then the clock goes off. Dog, and then a dog barks, and it's and he just enters this weird zen oh. state where he's like, "I think I'm the god of Punxsutawney." I think I just got Happy Death Day a little bit more. <laughs> that happens in a in a new movie, which is like a scary, spooky movie. She does oh. exactly the same thing. She's like, "Dog, car alarm." That guy's oh, about to does fall she over. relive the same yeah, day? Does so she die every day? Is that she it? She dies every day. Okay. She they just nicked a bit from Groundhog Day. Sounds like they nicked a lot. They nicked majority. Okay, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> you might want to watch it. Prejudging it. I'm yeah. out. Prejudging mm. it. Boycott. Okay, well, um, shall we? We, we shall. shall. Ooh. So let's finally hear from our guest, Patrick. He's going to talk about the music. Yes, I'm really excited. Oh, um, yes. I suppose just to start off with, the music is genius. It's great. And if you disagree, just I, I don't want to hear it. Um, he says pointedly, not looking at Julie. <laughs> He's too scared to look I'm at me. I'm scared of you, Julie. We've, we've covered this. Um, <laughs> it's really clever, like the way that the musical um, plays around with uh, sort of motifs, but reworks them in ways that you actually don't get sick of hearing these recurring themes again and again and again because of what the orchestration does with them. And I think it's really, it, it, do, it doesn't get old and it should it's just very, it's very clever. Um, the overture isn't one of your traditional overtures. It doesn't do little chunks of all the little bits of music. Oh, it's, not no, 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 it's not a Miranda <laughs> overture. It's not a Miranda overture. It's okay. But it's got oboes and brass. All and right. I, okay. It's a great overture. It's a great overture. And the way that this show uses brass and woodwinds, oh, the orchestration's great. Ten, ten out of ten for the orchestration. Um, so uh, after the overture, we've got There Will Be Sun. Um, so this is where we meet the chorus um, and the townsfolk of Punxsutawney. And, um, uh, and they are obnoxiously positive. They are. It's like, like, it's like Whoville. That it's, is what I have written. Yeah, the, whole, the reason I like this musical is because it reminds me so much of The Grinch. Okay, yeah. Um, and um, I actually really like this song. It's this wonderful sort of folksy town anthem. It's kind of this little bit of mythology that they have as a town because they live in this cold sort of arid wasteland where it's just all... It's winter for so long. And so they've got this recurring song about one day the sun will come out and it'll all be beautiful. And they're just so positive in such a depressing landscape. Makes me sick. It does. It's disgusting. <laughs> um, How very reminiscent of Annie. And then we have a 10-minute song, and Minchin does this. Well, he's done this in Matilda as well. The first song is called Day One, and it really covers Phil waking up and going through the entire first day um, of the broadcast. So I I love this song. I think it's amazing. Um, What I really like about the start especially is not only is the radio recording very clever for the local radio station covering Groundhog Day, but you've got Phil, um, Phil being the reporter, singing about Punxsutawney as a town in this sort of push-and-pull jazzy rock style. 
and then the townsfolk come in and they're also singing about Punxsutawney but it's very sort of anthemic and very much on the rhythm and they sort of work as counter melodies against each other. Phil's being entirely cynical and the townsfolk are really overly sort of positive yeah. and optimistic about their town and they're both singing at the same times and the melodies catch up to each other and then fall apart again and then catch up to each other and fall apart again and it's this wonderful sort of this, push and pull. This song is really a genius way of presenting and getting out of the way this first iteration of the day. Yes. Because that is what could get super repetitive about this story is that day. But getting it all out of the way in this very character-centric, musically interesting way, totally... it, it soothed my fears about this so musical. And watching the show, it soothed my fears. I watched this yeah. first day and I was like, it's going to be okay. It's going <laughs> to be all right. I was terrified because I loved Matilda so much and I was worried. I was like, you know, I was like, oh, what if, what if I don't love this show? What but if I don't love it as much as exa- Matilda? Exactly, exactly. Uh, and it sets up this thing that the show does all the time and a lot of shows do this but not to the extent of Groundhog Day where the, the music and the orchestration is the characters' emotions and their thoughts. When characters' thoughts break down or change, the music will break down. You'll have a cacophony or something. And it's not just supporting for their lyrics. Yeah. The music literally represents their mood. It's, it's kind of clever. how it should be. It is, it is. And you listen to this show and you're like, why isn't this done all the time? Because yeah. um, it's difficult. It is. And One person write the music, then give it to a <laughs> lyricist. They'll write some words. And... I want to be in America. (laughs) And that's how you get that, basically. Um, Day two. So this is where you get scared because you're like, the next song is called Day Two. Is it just going to be a big repetition? Um, No, it's brilliant. Um, It starts um, with the same music, but once Phil realises what's going on, he starts to, again, his music sort of plays around with the rhythm and the push-pull, and he starts making fun of the music and singing nonsense lyrics and saying things like suck my balls and that kind of thing in the tune of the song he sung on the previous day because he thinks, (laughs) like Zane said before, that the radio station is accidentally playing yesterday's recording and he starts mocking the people outside his hotel room um, but in the same song form but he gets lazy with the singing and he starts to really play around with it and make fun of the music and it's it's just very clever because, again, it represents his attitude and his cynicism so well. Um, And so day two ends and we'll... uh, we get to day three, which is a very, very short song. Okay, I was just saying, is it just going to be like... Well, day two day? is also quite short. Um, <laughs> okay. Basically, Phil goes from everyone's going to get fired to I think I'm dreadfully ill, and he freaks out halfway through the day and <laughs> runs home and goes to bed. Day three starts, and he's staring at the radio saying, don't you bloody play that song again, and it starts playing. And then the phone rings, and it's the same phone call from the two days before. And again, Phil has a breakdown... And the entire orchestration breaks down. Yeah. It's a cacophony. It's not structured. The instruments just string off. It's beautiful. It's great. I love it. Do you it. notice it's- that in each day the radio broadcast gets a little bit faster? It does. Yeah. As well? Because when I was listening to it, I was like, oh, I can't like keep listening to that. This is going to be ridiculous if I had to keep listening to this song. And then I was like, oh, it's faster. I see what you did there. You're only going to have to let me listen to a little bit. I get it. You gave me credit as an audience member and I will take it. <laughs> it does. Oh, and one thing I forgot to mention about day one. Sorry, reversing. Day one has a really cheeky Wicked <laughs> reference, I think. Um, when they're at the podium to announce um, whether Phil, the groundhog, has seen his shadow, the um, leader who speaks groundhoggies and has to translate for Phil um, oh God. <laughs> basically has a Madame Morrible moment. 
and gets up in his song and the way he sings and presents the history, it's like Madame Morrible at that podium in Wicked when she's telling the townsfolk what has happened. The tone of his voice and the style of music, I do think it's a really cheeky nod in the same way that Matilda's You Gotta Be Loud is almost a bit of a nod to popular. Um, Didn't get the nod? Wow. We'll, we'll re-listen. It, yeah, I think I think it could be that. It's great. Maybe it's um, like a cheeky wink that I didn't quite see. But then we have the end of day three and he's lost and he says, hello, can anyone help me? And then we move into what is maybe my favourite song of the show called Stuck. Oh, I'm disappointed it wasn't called day four. Well, I mean, you got it. You could. Yeah. But it's not a full day. Well, actually, no. as we have already stated in this podcast, three times is funny. More than that. You're pushing it up. And also, if you're there for 10,000 a year, that's a lot of days. It's a lot of days. Day 9,469. Not what I thought you were going to do. Day 360,000. So Stuck is this great song where Phil has gone to basically anyone he can to get help. And so what happens is this guy walks in and announces that he's got a degree in um, natural medicine. And then all of a sudden this woman comes in and claims that it must be gluten that's causing his problem. And so <laughs> Stuck has this really odd rhythm where he sings, I'm it's stuck, I'm just stuck. And it's got this really odd rhythm to the way he sings it. And it's because when you're singing it on the stage, he has an enema inside him <gasps> and it's gotten stuck. Ooh. So when Phil's going, I'm stuck, I'm just oh, stuck, listening to it on the soundtrack <laughs> is a bit odd. But seeing it on the stage, you've got Andy Carl reclined and they've literally <laughs> put a tube up his bum and they're trying to pull it out. And he's going, stuck, I'm Not just stuck. literally. Not oh, literally up his butt, up I Phil's believe, butt. I think, I think, yeah, it's up Phil's butt and it's great. And you get, he's basically gone to everyone. He goes to Scientologists, he goes to everyone. But the music really changes for Stuck. It's really refreshing. It's a very different type of song and it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and I would say at that point you would you need, need it, it to be quite different. Yes. Um, you need it to progress. Yes. Yeah, and I, I love this song. It's very cheeky and it's very Tim Minchin. It's Minchin doing yeah. his classic cynical critique but, but in a joyful know. way. Um, and that moves on to Nobody Cares where at the end Phil gives up and turns to alcohol. The last line of Stuck is these two guys screaming, alcohol, and all of a sudden they're behind a bar. It's a great bit of stage magic. Um, and they start drinking. And the one thing, again, you don't get it in the soundtrack. There's this wonderful moment, and basically nobody cares, is this country bop. It's the country bop of my dreams. I love this song. Um, <laughs> that's, got, that's a phrase you don't hear too often. But Did it's, you was... know that you had a country bop of your dreams before this musical? Look, I listened to a little bit of Shania Twain as a young lad. Um, Man, no, but... do you feel like a woman? <laughs> no, but um, I respect those who do. Okay. Um, and so it's, it's such a great song and I love Nobody Cares, but there's this great moment where it sort of breaks down and the pace picks up really quickly and there's this percussion moment and what's happening on the stage is they're behind the bar pouring shots for each other but basically doing a quick tap routine with the glasses and the bottles, the two drunks and Phil. So they're all swapping their arms over each other, throwing the bottles and shot glasses around, taking shots, and it gr- creates what would usually be one of those clap melodies or something. Yeah, yeah. Like with the glasses. Your body rhythm or on, whatever. Yeah, a body rhythm, but with the glasses on the bench. And it sounds amazing. It's like and Beauty you, and the Beast. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so good. I love that moment. And um, this, I suppose we'll probably talk about it in the production elements a bit more, but this song has some great production elements, um, and I want to come back to it. That moves on to philandering. Basically, then the end of Nobody Cares, he realises he can do anything. They get caught by the cops, um, drunk driving, they crash into a tree, and he wakes up in the morning and it's February 2nd. 
and this song is called Philandering because he basically goes around all day. This isn't a sing song as much as it is orchestration to acting. Again, why it's not a soundtrack musical. Yeah. Um, he just goes around being a cheeky little shit all day. Cheeky little thing, sorry. Cheeky little thing. You, you can bleep me. <laughs> can you? Uh, oh, I sorry, probably Zane. can. I'm sorry. Um, he's a cheeky little thing all day. And he starts flirting with this character, Nancy, who we meet. Um, and you watch him go through a couple of days and really just play the town. And it's funny, but he's very arrogant and he's kind of dis- he's not very likable at this point. You can't, there's a bit of that sort of, oh, I'd probably try that as well <laughs> if I was in that Well, that's, that's kind of the point of this story is yes. that, like, he is the worst kind of person. Oh, yeah. And, but you haven't seen that. You've got, got, like, hints of it up until now and then you really see him take advantage of people and gives him somewhere to go from. It does, it yeah. does. And it, it's nice that the hero of the show isn't a likeable hero and you actually get a bit of a journey. It's not like they're a good person from the start who has to solve a situation by being a good person yeah. who's who they always were. Yeah. Um, which can, or, but also, or the flip side, a bad person that stays bad but you're told they're good and you're like, oh. no, they're still a, they're <laughs> still a right dude. Yeah, that's frustrating. Yeah. Because this musical doesn't have... A bad guy it doesn't have an antagonist. No. It's it's really kind of like this cosmic phenomenon that's happening to this guy. Then he has to grow through it. Yeah, so, personal and journey. And some of the lines he has about trying to figure out what's happening. He thinks he might have had a stroke. He thinks he might have. Um, there's one thing where he says he. Uh, thinks it could be a symptom from when he was 20 and took magic mushrooms and thought he was Aquaman. And he thinks maybe it's finally come back to bite me. So he really doesn't know what's going on. Um, we then get One Day, which is a great song. And this is um, Rita's song. Uh, Rita gets her first big song. She's Yay. had a couple of sing-song moments in the days, day one, day two, day three. Um, again, this is the point in the show where the female character usually gets an I want or an I love song or what they want in a man. And this is that song, but it really subverts what that song usually is. And it's her kind of talking about how, yeah, I've got all these things that I want, but they're not really realistic. And even if I met the man who I wanted, chances are I wouldn't like him anyway because I don't like these things about those sorts of people. And it really fleshes her out to be an actual person, which is really refreshing for a female lead in a musical. This Thank is, you, love Rita. Tim. Thank you. This is... Oh. High contender for my favourite song in the show. Oh, it's yeah. a good song. And it then moves on to what all the other townspeople um, will do one day. So Rita's talking about one day maybe finding a man, but does she actually want that anyway? Maybe she just wants some casual sex with a man dressed up as a fireman. Who knows? Um, but then you get there's a local guy who's been wandering around who's, the joke is, he's, he's very overweight and he's like, my doctor says I'm going to die if I keep eating all this fried chicken but I'm still probably going to eat it. I need to quit one day. And everyone keeps talking about what they're going to do one day in the future, but they never quite get around to doing it. Um, I love this song. It's great. The uh, moral of the show. It is. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it does set up the moral of the show. Um, and that's, that's the end of Act One. Um, oh. And it ends with Phil smashing the alarm clock, which doesn't help anything, sadly. Well, no, so that's the point. So you've, you've had the day, you've set up the problem... And then they, you go through all the way. This one day is mm. kind of like, okay, well, that's him smashing the clock is a signal that he's not going to put it off for one more day. He's going to try and fix it now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it is a turning point for the character. And there is that running joke that everyone's saying, oh, one day I'll do this, one day I'll do this. Phil doesn't get that one day because he has to, he's stuck on this day. Yeah, he has to do it yeah. today. Yeah, he's got nothing. He doesn't have anything to look forward to. Um, and then we get... The Entract, which is beautiful. And the first song of the, um, the first song, sort of the singing, uh, lyrical song of the first act is called Playing Nancy, 
which is this really odd moment, but I love it. And Minchin tends to do this. He'll give big songs and big moments to small characters. Um, to talk about this show a bit more, this is very much a chorus-heavy show. It's very much about the ensemble, and all the ensemble have very clearly defined characters with motives and backstories and goals, and it's really refreshing to watch because you've got all these people on the stage who deserve to be on the stage, and you know why they're there in every scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's nice to see a stage filled with characters instead of a stage filled with actors in costumes. Yes. Um, (laughs) And Nancy, who has been the butt of a joke in the first act where Phil has tricked her into telling him the name of her English teacher so he can then come back and flirt with her on Groundhog Day, yes, um, comes out and has this song which is about realising that she is the pretty girl, not really liking that role about herself but realising that it's probably the best she's got and that she is a bit stuck and that while she has to act dumb and stupid to get attention and love, she's scared that if she doesn't do that, she won't even get love. And it's this character that could be this little throwaway joke of a character, the pretty blonde girl, who they they take the time to flesh out and give her this fantastic song yeah, and give her a full backstory and make her a real person, which, again, is so refreshing in musical theatre, to have these female characters who are treated as people and given full stories and well, complicated stories. To have stories. any characters in the ensemble, particularly it, the ones that end up being the, the comic of, jokes. Yeah. Exactly. And to it's have, it, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a great audition song. If you're looking for a different audition song, <laughs> I think this one could be really interesting. I think um, we're going to have to start like a sideline podcast. Yeah, so I do this. Patrick's excitement about audition songs. It's only ever female <laughs> songs. I'm not, I'm not going to sing them. But Julie? Next, next time you come on, <laughs> yeah. I want you to bring with you a recommendation for a male audition song. Is that confirmation song. that I get to come back? Of course you get to come back. Yes. Um, anyway, I love playing Nancy. <laughs> Did you just Nancy. try to rip your shirt off? Oh, uh, I was very excited. Um, uh, but playing Nancy is great. It was a really jarring way to start the second act, to be honest. No one was expecting it. But it was wonderful. And it's this lovely still moment in a show that has moved very, very quickly. Um, we then get Hope. And it's there that I start to get bored. Yeah, and Hope is funny because Hope as a song is odd to listen to on the soundtrack. In the show, this is another song which is so technically amazing with what they do with it. What happens in Hope is it's a song about never giving up hope, but what is happening on the stage is he's hoping to finally kill himself and end this this never-ending nightmare. An interesting little juxtaposition. And so he commits suicide about a ton of times and then all of the cast are also Phil in the background killing themselves in all of these different ways. Oh, and it never much works. better visual than the inside of my car and just listening to exactly. it. Exactly. So what you're getting is is Andy Carl and it's this really sort of classic rock song. Yeah. He's singing Never Give Up Hope, Never Let Yourself Be Defeated because one day I might finally be able to kill myself and not wake up again. Because what's happening is he kills himself and wakes up in the bed the next day as soon as he dies. And so he just keeps trying to kill himself. And this is where it's a bit of a montage. This is where you get that 10,000 years of him. You see him in a bathtub electrocuting himself, him jumping off the top of buildings. He literally climbs up into the, um, what's it called? The gantry? Sure. The, 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 the space above the theatre. Like you, he goes out of sight and then drops and hits the floor. But it's a clever trick because the body that hits the floor is no longer him. And he pops up in a bed that's just been wheeled onto the stage. Um, we'll talk about it more in production elements. Fun. It's so well done. To, watching this song is probably the most <laughs> exciting song to watch in the show. Oh, but sitting there you'd with, want that though. Sitting there with the soundtrack, I can understand why you'd be a bit like, why is this song in the show? What's going on? It's from there on that I'm so like, on the soundtrack. Oh, they probably could bored. have called it Hope and then in, in brackets, 
the suicide song. Probably. Yeah. yeah. yeah and then in brackets, it's better to yeah. see than listen to. <laughs> I, I think you can put that behind almost any song in any musical. No. No, I have some that I've never seen and I'm just super into it. Yeah, and this isn't what I'd call a soundtrack musical. Like, I, it's not the kind oh, of show you'd act listen to. Act 1 I really love. Yeah. Act 1 I would listen to over and over. Act yeah, 2 is where it gets a little bit same, same. Yep. In a bad way for me. Okay. Yes. That's fair enough. Um, we then have Everything About You, which is where Phil tells him, tells, sorry, Rita, all of the things he's learned about her to prove. He's like, no, I'm living the same world again and again. Um, and it's got a really lovely little melody. It's not a long song. It's just a kind of, it's almost like an interlude. Yes, it's not a, not a huge, mm. huge song in the overall act. No. And then we get um, If I Had My Time Again, banger. Love it. This um, this is the other contender for favourite song. Yeah, this is a great song. So this is a song where Rita tells Phil all the stuff she would do with her life if she got to live the same day all over and over again. She would repeat all the mistakes she's made. She would learn all these new skills. And Phil sings these counter sort of melodies with her where he says things like, oh, yep, yeah, what I've done with my time is I've slept with 90% of the women in Punxsutawney and a dude once when I got really bored. Um, I <laughs> masturbated seven times in the bath. It wasn't enjoyable. And the lyric, I believe, is it wasn't enjoyable. Um, it wasn't good, but at my age, it's nice to know that I can. <laughs> so it's kind of this realisation song where he's like, wow, I've lived here for 10,000 days or whatever and I've done nothing. I've achieved nothing. And Rita's oh, telling him all of these great things. Some would call that things. an achievement. Yeah. <laughs> these are all the things you could have been doing. Exactly. And yeah. um, it's a really great song. It's, it's got a wonderful rhythm to it. It's got a great pace. I find it really, really enjoyable. Also... Um, did you like this song, Julie? Mm, I... Uh, tapped out at this point. I kind of tapped out. <laughs> I did listen to it. Um, I good. sometimes don't enjoy female heavy contemporary songs. Okay. I like. I really like this song because the the, the differences it shows between the two characters. Yes. Yeah, between Rita and Phil, uh, I think that that's what this song is about for me, and the the interaction between them, both telling each other these very personal things, but at the same time being almost totally oblivious to what the other person is saying. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, and Phil does start to, ca- start to catch on at the end, and he realizes what have I been doing this whole time, this these years. Um, then we get everything about you reprise. It's a reprise yep. of everything about you. Um, <laughs> then we get a song that I absolutely adore, which is called The Night Will Come. Um, and this song is, what was his name? The, um, he's a life insurance salesman, the friend from school. Ned. Yeah, Ned. So when we meet Ned, he's a life insurance salesman. And he's like, oh, do you want to buy some life insurance? Ha ha. And Phil really doesn't want to be talking to him. We find out that he became a life insurance salesman after his wife died. Um, and he gets Aww, this. Man. And this song is a beautiful song where he's singing about the inevitability of death. Um, and it's this really lovely song where it's it's it, this he's singing this song while Phil is trying to save the life of this homeless man. And every day he's coming back and trying something new, but he is never able to stop him from dying. He gets him to the hospital. He keeps him warm. He brings him food. He brings him medicine. Nothing works. Um, and. I love this song. I'm in love with this song. Again, See, if you don't know that, just a boring song. It's just a boring song. Mm. And what's happening on the stage is you've got the life insurance salesman sitting on a podium up top singing while there's a revolve and Phil is constantly running on the revolve trying to keep up with the homeless man who's constantly dying every day. And Phil, it's this beautiful, Andy Carl did such a good job where it gets really emotional because he's trying again and again and he's investing everything that he can do to fix it and it just doesn't work. And, yeah, I adore that song. Um, then we've got Philanthropy, 
Philanthropy is not a traditional song. It's more of a sort of musical sequence. Um, Phil actually tries to use his powers for good. And it works really well. And things Yay! are getting happy. Who it knew? Ha- Who knew? It has a random tap sequence. Yay! <laughs> um, to be honest, even watching Julie's the show, back. I was like, oh, they're doing tap. Okay. Is and it- <laughs> there sequence? No. Because they're just normal mm. townspeople, but it's got this TikTok rhythm of uh, time counting I'm a down. normal townsperson. I wear sequins yeah, on enough, a regular basis. Well, we'll get you in the cast. Um, <laughs> but it's got this sort of idea where everything has to be timed second perfect so he can fix every problem with the day, and that's where the tap comes in to play into that TikTok rhythm. Yeah. And it works well. Um, we're getting to the end of the show now, really. We've then got Punxsutawney Rock. Um, this is Phil, who has learned to play piano very well. He goes back to the same piano teacher every day and is a little bit better, but he says it's his first lesson and that he just hasn't done it in a while. And so she's like, oh, you're already good. And he's like, oh, I've got a fantastic teacher. And she's like, I'll have to meet her. But it was her all along. Aww. And it's this cute little moment. Skips to Alfred Basics 5. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then that's the song where at the end Phil um, has that wonderful moment with Rita at the auction because he's playing the piano in the sort of band at the auction, and then we get Seeing You. And Seeing You is the finale. Yes. And it's musically yeah. extremely different from the rest of the show. And I think that's really important because it sort of signifies that he's out of this time loop, finally. Mm. Um, it's one of those beautiful Minchin songs where... Minchin does haunting very well. Mm. It's like Quiet from Matilda. It's like White Wine in the Sun, that Christmas song that he yeah. wrote. It automatically just somehow cuts into the middle of you. Um, and it's this beautiful song where Phil actually finally treats a moment with respect and with seriousness and grows as a human. And there's this wonderful sort of... Julie's not impressed with that concept. <laughs> no. Um... Growing as a human. God. Yeah. And... That's what you have to do. Yeah. And Only Julie, move on to the Julie, 3rd of February. if you ever get stuck... Living one day over and over again. You know why. It's going to be a couple million days. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and Phil has this wonderful moment where he confesses that even though he's spent years trying to get to know everything about Rita so he can have sex with her um, because he just wants to get laid, he realises that he doesn't actually know anything about her because he's never actually spent proper time with her. And seeing you is about... He confesses that he's really just seeing her for the first time. And it's such a good song. And the show ends with the sun rising. And they've escaped. And they decide to spend one more day in Punxsutawney together. That's delightful. Why wouldn't you? It's, I love this show. It's a good show. It's a great show. It's a great show. Yeah. I agree. Jekyll and Hyde. Let's not talk about that. I was reading Jekyll and Hyde. I thoroughly enjoyed the concept of Groundhog Day. It's great. I'm happy. Good. And, like, while it's not the movie, I think the movie and the musical are... Pretty incomparable. I think the movie, yes. they deal with the same themes and the same characters, but the musical approaches it from an entirely different way. Whereas, and, and it should because it's a different form. Exactly um, right. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't try to be the movie. They yeah. don't get Andy Carl in there who originated the role of Phil and go, do it like Bill Murray. He does it like Andy Carl, and he's fantastic. And he won a lot of awards for it. He didn't win the Tony, um, and we all know that. No, I'm fine. I'm fine about that. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> um, but... He, I think he won a Drama Desk, or mm. and he also won a Laurence Olivier Award. So, do you want to talk about cast, Patrick? No, I don't actually have any research on the cast. Sorry, no. I'll do it. Thank you, Miranda. <laughs> I 
Okay, so let's talk uh, the fairly short history of the casting of the show. Um, the original RSC production in 2016 in London starred Andy Carl oh, man, as guy. Oh. <laughs> Andy Carl as Phil Connors. Oh. So that is the Bill Murray role. Oh, a bit God. of a fan over here. We've got that seems to be quite the fan. Um, <laughs> he is an American actor and actually most well known for his Broadway work. Um, he's uh, also in a, like a, I think CSI Miami or one he, of those shows. Yeah, he's bit parts in TV things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he also he stayed with the production when it went to Broadway in um, t- then following year. And the this world was year, better for 2017. it. 2017. The world was better for that. Well, it's obviously a very big role mm. and if somebody survived it and long enough didn't. to play it on West End, uh, yeah, you'd be tough to find somebody who could pull it off as well. Yeah, exactly. On Broadway he actually um, tore his, uh, I think, one of the ligaments in his leg and did the rest of the show with a cane. And then when I saw the show, he had his leg in a brace for the whole show. And so it's hidden under his trousers, but a lot of the show is him in his boxes because he's getting up in the morning and just not giving a damn. So he walks out into the town just in his boxes and he's got this leg brace on the whole time and he's flirting with ladies, showing them the leg brace and he just, <laughs> he worked it into the performance and it was great. Big it's, fan uh... of I mean, it's just not practical going out in boxer shorts during, like, winter. harsh winter. Well, he puts yeah. on a magnificent fur <laughs> pimp coat over the top. I was just I thinking, like, they could have chosen to cover it with a longer pair of pyjama pants. Could it, it, it kind of added sense. to the comedy of it. It was odd. I, I, I think it. you hit that point where you're like, well, this is happening, so let's yeah. not pretend And the character can otherwise. have a sore leg. Yeah, why like not? Yeah. Why can't Phil have a Why are you yeah, so anti-sore leg, Julie? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, super back against. to Andy Carl. Um, Andy Carl played um, my favourite role in Legally Blonde, uh, Chad. <laughs> is the Rust, that the guy The Rastafarian rapper. Oh, and he's also the guy who made this, the startup fund and bought yachts or whatever. It's the same actor, I think. What? In that, oh, maybe. Um, Welcome to Harvard, good to know that one or whatever that. Oh it's no, not no, a great no! Song. Because in the Harvard student lineup, he's Chad. Oh, is he? Okay, yeah, so I'm he completely does wrong. That, Ignore me, listeners. That uh, track does have some other characters uh, in it. Um, Chad is the elsewhere. Best. Yeah, Chad. But, Chad is. Yeah. Chad's what you go for. Chad is definitely what you go Legitimately for. Legitimately, um, he, he did um, also have do um, larger roles in Nine to Five. He played Rocky in Rocky and uh, was in oh. the Wicked Run for quite a long time in presumably uh, just, ensemble tracks. I think. I'm not sure. I would hate to be in that ensemble. Maybe. The mm. costumes. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Oh no! Not the magnificent. Costumes, <laughs> and then he he's obviously um, gone on to do this show. I I would love to know how he got involved in the production as an American working on West End. So maybe that has something to do with somebody's connection somewhere. Maybe It'd he be might interesting have been involved to know with that story or something. Maybe they brought him in for the early works with the previous composer. I don't know. Might have been. Who knows? Who knows? If you know, let us know. Uh, and there, we will know. <laughs> there are like a few of that of the original London cast at the old Vic who basically transferred from the Matilda cast into, ah. into this show. Um, one of them was Antonio Magro, who um, plays the sheriff in um, Groundhog Day, who was understudied to Miss Trunchbull. So it's mm. sort of a few people who were ensemble and understudies sort of transferred over into the ensemble cast of Groundhog. Oh, that's nice. You look after your own. Yeah. Um, 
Rita Hansen, the role of Rita Hansen, which is Andy McDowell in the film, is played by someone who I haven't written down. Carlos Peer, Barrett Doss. Who, Carlos Peer was London, uh, Barrett Doss yeah, Broadway. Yeah, yeah. Who I couldn't see much about. Neither of them have a Wikipedia entry. Yeah, no, they're um null and void. Yeah, well, wow. You don't have the wiki. I'm sure, they will eventually. They, yeah, you they're, can they're make your faces. own. They're new faces, and I think that. Do you be have one, Julie? Yeah, there oh seems God, to be a lot of relative unknowns in the yeah. in the London cast, and then the Broadway cast is pretty much the same, if not more so. Mm. So Andy Carl transferred, and every other role got recast. But still, there's there's no stunt casting in the rest of it. There's I, and I don't think know, it's a it's not it's a star vehicle. An ensemble cast, yeah. it would be difficult to except for Phil. Yeah, except Phil, Phil could yeah. be a star vehicle. Yeah. Which they yeah. would, Andy stayed with the show. Yeah, um, a couple of other notables. Um, Andrew Langtree in the original cast as Ned uh, did a bunch of stuff. Mamma Mia um, originating. Oh, great a role musical! Love that. Oh, Ghost. If he's from Mamma Mia, let's bring him in. Yeah, uh, lots of British TV soaps. Sarcasm so he's got did TV not credits. did not transfer to audio medium. He oh, would have been <laughs> dripping with sarcasm, dripping. ladies and gentlemen. Dripping. soaked to the bone. But he did Mamma Mia for quite some time, and it was very popular in London. So shut your face. Um, <laughs> And he was nominated for Best Supporting Role in the, for the Laurence Olivier Awards for his... Um, for Ned? For Ned, yes. Uh, Georgina Hagen played Nancy and she pops up in a few other shows, um, including We Will Rock You and she played Pearl in Starlight Express. Oh, and I just think it's nice goodness. to see Starlight Express on someone's resume. <laughs> On Jane Krasowski's resume. Someone who's on Starlight Express is still working. That's a miracle. (laughs) Jane Krasowski's still working. Oh, yeah, Jane Krasowski. She played the original Dinocart. Yeah, she's amazing. She, yeah, okay, fair enough. Georgina Hagen played Pearl. There you go. Peel. 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 There you go. Um, Yeah, and like I said, there's, there's not much notable in the US cast. Like, even less so. So, um, I think it's really great that as an ensemble cast, they've brought in a lot of people who have probably got ensemble credits Mm. and basically given them a more interesting role to play with for a while. And the roles are interesting. It's so much fun watching the background um, characters doing their little things and they've all got their motivations and they're all bickering and fighting or just having a great time and they're not just standing there to sing. Yeah. And it's interesting to look at. Yeah. I love it. So um, the Australian cast yet to be announced because the Australian production is yet to be announced. It's going to happen. So let's talk about who we might see in that. So let's talk about the Australian cast and then let's talk about our dream cast. So the Australian cast, that will inevitably happen. Yes. Okay, so I hate that this will happen, but it will happen and nothing against this man as a performer, but they will cast Rob Mills as Phil. It's going to happen. Do you think he's old enough? Look, I've accepted the fact that Australian theatre will find a way to to cast Rob Mills in this production. You know what? I think Rob Mills would be a good Ned or, you know, someone else in the mix. To be honest, I'm... Look, he sort of suits the character. He always plays... He did Fierro. He did that guy from Legally Blonde who 
whatever. Oh, no. Not chat. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're just going to go through... The, the mean boyfriend. He does that <laughs> arrogant character, which is why I think he'll get put in this show. I would love to see an extremely talented unknown do the role, but it will probably be Rob Mills. And he'll if be... We know, like if we've learned anything about Australian musicals, when they have the chance to put an unknown in, they don't. They do not. It'll, it'll either be Rob Mills or Bert. <laughs> Bring Bert out again. Um, and it will be, there is no place it. for Bert in this show. I'd watch it. I'd They'll really find It'd be a hilarious. place, Miranda. There is um, a place for Bert in this show. Um, oh, they probably. Do you reckon they're going to play the, the groundhog? The announcer. Yeah, he definitely could be. Like but he has to hog. sing. He can sing. Oh, uh, he didn't in Wizard in the. In he can hey, sing. Hey, yeah. hey. Sometimes. Australian hey royalty, that's who you're talking about that's who I'm now. Talking about. That is. And um, they'll bring in what, maybe Gemma Ricks as Rita, um, maybe Lisa McCune as oh, Rita. Oh, sorry. Um, Gemma Ricks, I could get behind. Yeah. Oh, I would get behind Gemma Ricks. I will not I don't get think behind. you can pair Rob Mills and Lisa McCune. You're, you're crossing generational lines like, there. Have we? Well, what I kind of like about this musical is you re- a lot of the cast, you, they don't, there's not a specific type. Like, really, with Rita, she doesn't have to be a specific type of person physically or even, I mean, vocally. She, she doesn't have to be, to be an extremely rock. tall, slightly masculine woman like Andy McDowell. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. I think eight-year-old Patrick probably had a bit of a crush on Andy McDowell. I remember, I remember oh. thinking of her very fondly. Patrick's gay now, so that says a lot. Um, but Very t- yeah. tall and manly. But maybe, okay, so if it wasn't Rob Mills and Gemma Ricks or perhaps Lucy Durack even, who would we like to see in this Uh, show? I think you've just said to our audience it's now me because you said physically it can be anyone, so therefore it is me. So is this the dream dream cast? Are you Andy? I am Rita. Oh, you're you're Rita, okay. Who'd you say? I said Andy, I meant as Phil. They're one and the same. I I think you should play Andy. Phil? Phil. I would be terrible in this show. No, 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 you should play Andy playing Phil. I'd like to play Ned, or I'd like to play the guy who speaks Groundhoggies. The, like, the announcer. The announcer. I'd, he's great. Um, but no, Dreamcast. Shall we do a Dreamcast? Yeah, Dreamcast. I, I have um, opinions, and oh, I, I'm going to be shouted down so oh, quickly. No, go on, Is it go Rob on. Mills? I'm ready to do it. It's not Australian. I, okay, I, no. I, okay. I don't have high opinions of no. the Australian cast I only, for this. Yeah, I only have one person who, when listening to the soundtrack... I would sometimes think Rita sounds a lot like Sutton Foster. Sutton Foster could play that character, but she can play any character and she's got enough work. Let's <laughs> give it to someone else. I don't have any readers. I have three options for Phil. Number one. I want to hear him. Number one, the one that you're not going to like yell at. Lay it on me. Jonathan Groff. Do we want? Eh, I might actually. I'm well, gonna no no it's fine it's fine. Well, you're gonna have a much bigger <laughs> problem with the rest of them. No 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 he's he's good he's 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 funny in Hamilton he can do comedy. He's also charming. Yeah, How I suppose you. he could come. Is he a bit young? How very dear. No, no. Okay, no. no. It's been written off. Let's move on. If it's if it's going to be young, he's then older this than Rob one. Mills, isn't he? Ben Platt. No, I will take in the bin, 100%. him. Anyway, he wants to I would to love come. to see Ben Platt as Ned. 
No, he's far too he's, young for Ned. Didn't you Andy just put Carl, him as... I, no, Phil, Andy Carl. Phil? Phil is meant to be like he's been working as a weatherman long enough to resent the fact he always has to come to this town to cover the damn groundhog. I think Platt can play mid-30s. You could, you could be uh, resentful maybe, about that even within a year of still... Maybe you're not in where you thought you were going to be in your career and you're resentful of the fact that you're still covering this crap. Who's your third? <laughs> well, my third is, because I'm the only one who ever goes cross-gender, switching mm-hmm. over, Kate McKinnon. Yeah. I think she could really walk that line of charming asshole. She would do that. I'm She'd, still not yeah. happy with her, but That would be okay. hilarious. If they did a gender swap, yeah. that would be one of the few people I'd... Yeah, she would be great. Yeah. Um, I'd take Kate McKinnon over Ben Platt and just put her in drag. Yeah, but... You know, Ben Ben uh, Ben Platt can Fantastic sing it, performer. and I and I definitely think he could act it. Um, he may not be old enough yet, but you know, that's, give, give him a couple of years. Let him mellow. See, Let I don't mellow. think age yeah. is that big of a deal because I would quite like to see as Phil. I'm not shut the, off the recording. The one and <laughs> shut only. Shut it down. Shut it down, Zane. I can't. I can't Hit the red it. button. Zac Efron as <laughs> Phil, a topless Phil. It's winter. Zac Efron could be the hot bartender. No, there's a great line no, where there's this no, really hot bartender no, and Lisa no. is Lisa. Bloody hell. <laughs> My brain. Um, Rita's saying Punxsutawney's not that bad and the bartender's kind of hot and then this really attractive bartender who's in like this little Nothing. outfit oh. just gives her a little wink and it's this great little moment. So he doesn't sing or talk. Well, it, it'll be like Zac Efron in High School Musical 1. He won't wink. sing. <laughs> I'm, okay. We don't, High School Musical 1 does I, not belong to Zac Efron. That's not a thing. That I, I would like to give Zac just slightly more credit. And I think, I'd, I'd let him work at the box office. I think office. he could. I think he could pull it off. I think he could pull, off, pull off. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> could be part of his thing. It could be yeah, part of his shit. Look, shtick. yeah, no, he could. I would take. Would I take Zach Efron over Ben Platt? It doesn't matter. No, you Zac can't Efron's take Zach older. Efron over Ben Platt. Zach Efron is older. Zach Efron across from Ben Platt with Ben Platt as Ned. I think. I think Zach in ten. Why is this a legitimate 15, discussion? <laughs> because imagine, imagine him ten or fifteen years from now. He's aged up a bit. Can we discuss this in ten or fifteen years? Yeah, sure. Definitely. <laughs> I'll still be talking about it. Ten years from now, mark down this day. We will talk about Groundhog Zach Day. So fill the groundhog. I've got Put him one. in a little cage, let him out once a year. Uh, I think I've got a legitimate one, oh, but I'm it? not entirely <gasps> sure if he can sing, and no, I don't, don't think he can. Let's do it. Let's just try it anyway. Rob Lowe. I would love yeah. to see Rob Lowe as Rob Phil. Lowe could Don't do know it. if he can sing. Would just ha- be happy to watch him on stage for a couple of hours. He's funny. Parks if, and Rex if, solve he's if so we're, funny. If we're taking singing out of it. Uh, it's it's a not a musical. It magically goes well. Yeah, so magically he can sing now. Yeah. Bill Murray. Oh, well. Yes. I think oh. it would be kind of creepy because he's quite old now. Make everyone older. You could just make, make everyone older. Make everyone older. But like Nancy it's, is a young, you could make Nancy no, older. And no, and, but anyone. again, that's part of the You could make Nancy yeah, like uh, Rhonda Birch more Nancy kind of gig. Like, yeah, look, fair age her up. I'll take yeah. her over Ben Platt. Like he would never do it. He would never sign on to no, it. No, he wouldn't. Dreamcast. Oh, I'm sorry, but Bill Murray's like, Christmas. Yeah. He gets pretty singing sometimes. To be sometimes. fair, I love that. last week I, I put... Uh, no, I, I put I, I put Richard E. Grant in Jekyll Hyde. Could, I think we we can we can accept Miley Bill Murray. Could Miley Cyrus play like a trashy version of Nancy? Can Under Nancy no just be a bit trashy? <laughs> well, I think no. she could play a legitimate version of Nancy. Nancy is the kind of girl like she's there and she's in a 
low-cut top with a very small vest on to keep her warm, a cute little hat, and then the, like, thigh-high Ugg boots. So she's meant to be a little bit, like, Dixie. So I reckon if you brought out country Miley Cyrus and made her the pretty small-town girl, she could do it. I'm putting it in there. I'm vetoing it, like... No. God, but it's a nice thought. You don't get that option in my dream class. No, it is your dream class. Let your dream live on. Shall we move on? Um, yes, because I can't think of the name of the person who I was going to suggest. So do let us, in fact. Oh, like, comment and subscribe, dear listeners. Move on is what I was going to oh, go okay, with. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Jump in the gun. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, I just got reminded that we didn't get back to talking about production elements. So we're no, no, we did bounce back. Oh, okay. There's just a couple of things I really want to touch Super on. Super quick, Patty. So, um, uh, in uh, nobody cares, um, they have a car chase on the stage, and this show is fantastic because it doesn't use LED screens. It is full of practical effects. It's great. So when they get ew, sn- old school, it's so good. When they get snowed in, this car that's probably the size of like uh, a microwave drives out onto the stage, and then a guy in a big groundhog costume comes on with a giant shovel covered in snow and just dumps the snow <laughs> on top of the car <laughs> and just crushes it. And that's how you know that they've been snowed in. Um, for the car chase. All of the this town gets brought up like puppets suspended in the air, and you see top-down view and see the car that's driving through, and it's just held by people on sticks being chased down by a police car, and then that all explodes out in front of you to having Phil and the two drunks in an actual car that's swerving around on the stage being chased down, and it's all done in kind of this kitsch musical theatre way because the show knows that it's a stage show and it really has fun with it. It's all very tongue-in-cheek. It doesn't pretend to make it real. It doesn't do the oh the hairspray thing where they just have screens everywhere i hate that i cannot stand that it knows hey, it's a show you can't it, stop the bee it knows i will um, it knows that the audience knows that they're at a show and it does great production stuff the other one that has to be mentioned is in um hope the suicide attempt the suicide they have song. it's basically magic tricks the entire song where he is dying and then magically wakes up and appears in a bed that's on the other side of the stage. So you watch him get into a shower, lift up a toaster behind the um, screen. He pulls the screen across in front of him, the shower curtain, drops the toaster, gets electrocuted and falls. And then all of a sudden on the other side of the stage, his bed has been wheeled on and he pops up out of the bed. He falls from the ceiling and dies and pops up out of the bed. Now, Patrick, that's just not possible. It, it's I know. not possible. You're sitting there watching it going, I know this is magic trick and I need to find it but you don't see it. They do a really good job of it and I think it's how he, <sighs> bro- I think it's how he hurt his leg was doing some of these <laughs> oh, no. tricks um, and then it's I just... I want to see the backstage video of this portion of the show. Oh, so do I because they've got about 12 beds on the stage where he's just constantly dying and popping out of them while the cast who are also playing him are popping out of the beds and constantly dying as well. It's amazing. They're the, they're the things I wanted to cover. It does practical effects so well and I, I adore it for taking that step and not just going we'll do a screen. Just do a screen. Just do a yeah. screen? Yeah. Good. Well, can um, we move straight into top oh, five lists? let's go. Well, let's top go. five shows with practical effects. Yeah, exactly. Top, top five, five shows refusing to LED screen it. Thank you. Top five shows with the most suicides, I think, literally. Oh, wow. I think this is number one. I think it has the most suicides in any show. Yes. Um, yeah. Definitely. I can't think harsh. of another one with, like, mass suicide... Uh, there's not no. like a 
cult musical or anything. I don't think so. No. Is there a um, Drink the Kool-Aid musical? No, Heaven's Gate. There isn't a Heaven's Gate one. Um, I would say top five movie musicals. That's a big list. I know it's a big list. Adaptations. So movies that were turned into musicals. I would say even including Disney. It, yeah, but well, if you if you want to be safe, ooh. we can cut out Disney. But I do think this makes the top five. It might not be number sure. one. Uh, hmm, I think it, you're closer to being safe if you exclude Disney. Okay, let's exclude Disney. What's the top five? What's in there? Oh, oh goodness. Groundhog Day. It's going to take all that. Well, there's a lot of them that aren't great. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. It's probably easier to name those because they <laughs> stick in your mind a little mm. more. Well, it wasn't a movie first. True story. Yeah, I'm only talking, talking about, about films that were then. Oh, yeah. different then lists. Yeah, because there's a lot that have gone the other way. Made into anyway. Like Dirty Dancing. <laughs> Heather's Terrible Ghost. musical. Mm. Dirty Dancing. Heather's yeah. is a good one. I'd Heather's, Heather's is a good one. Like Heather's, Heather's, I feel, would be top of my list. Yeah. All right, well, what other I'm ones? Curious. Top five. Oh, top five musicals um, focusing on mainly just one day. Yeah. Yeah. It's February 2nd right till the end. Just one day. <laughs> oh, no. I'm going to say top time, top time, top five time travel musicals. Because it is Ooh. technically time travel. Yeah. And I don't feel like there'd be a lot of them. So I reckon it'd be very easy to get to the top of that list. <laughs> yeah, because that's an easy one. And it's a hard thing to do well. Now, this list is another one that's getting quickly populated. Oh. Top five ensembles. Because yeah. it is a huge ensemble and they're all named... And from what you're saying is they all have a lot of stuff to do in the show. They're so charismatic. It's an ensemble story and it takes the time to give them the songs and the characters. Yeah, I would put it up there as well. Or even if it was just top five shows that do ensembles well. So the top five ensembles. And I want there to be a Tony for best ensemble cast or best chorus. So they keep petitioning yeah. for one. It hasn't shown up yet. Because this show would have won yeah. it. It was amazing. And then it could have run longer. I don't want to talk about it. Oh, I'm Top sorry. five shows that I don't want to talk about. Top five shows <laughs> that deserved more Tonys than it won. Yes. There's only there's only a finite amount of Tonys to go around, everyone. I'll well, now that we've Tony. deleted Evan Hansen from history, we can now spread the love around. You deleted Dear Evan Hansen from your history. You are complicit in this, Zane. <laughs> you let me on. We, uh, um, we take no responsibility. Uh, I would say what? maybe top five practical effects shows. I know you can't fight me on that because no one else has been able to see them. Hopefully there'll be some good YouTube videos one day. So you one can day. watch in wonder. One day. Well, uh, definitely Little Shop would be on that, yes. I think. And I, I think, think it would probably be higher. Yeah. But I think this one would sneak in in that five. Um, do top five musicals featuring a, a rodent that can predict the weather. Do you actually see the groundhog? You do. Um, they've got a puppet. Um, and it looks, it's oddly realistic. Hey. For quite a stylized show, they bring it out and you're like, oh my God, for a split second, you're like, is that a real animal? Oh no, it's, <laughs> it's a puppet, it's a puppet. It's a dog. It's a small furry dog. Um, taxidermy. Ooh. A taxidermy puppy. Puppet. Oh. Puppet. Not puppy. <laughs> oh my goodness. Whoa. Okay. I think we should stop before yeah. I make yeah. any more faux pas. Please. No, I'm happy with that. I think this show, yeah, it's, it's funny. I love it though. There's a lot to learn from Groundhog Day. Oh. Number one, don't get caught in a snowstorm. Yeah, just Number don't do two, it. Don't be a weatherman. Don't be a weatherman. Don't be a weatherman. Number uh, three. Don't get caught in a time loop. 
Don't get caught in a time loop. And if you do, killing yourself won't get you out. Unless it does, unless it's a different kind of time loop. Well, let's just say, say, this musical teaches us a whole bunch about time loops. Okay, time loops aside, (laughs) I think it shows that maybe the path out of living your life as if it's the same day is to try and better yourself and do things for others because otherwise you are stuck in a bit of a rut. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that maybe that should be your goal When focusing in life. on yourself isn't working, focus on focus others. On maybe others. you should mm. also in, learn to enjoy the rut. <laughs> well, yeah, and exactly, and learning to enjoy other people. And, like, this show uh, starts out with Phil just making fun of all the townspeople, and when he actually gets to know them, they're not just stupid small-town people anymore. They actually have really rich lives that he contributes to, and it's about respecting and loving the people Aww, around you and understanding less. that they're people as well. And I think that's actually a really important lesson that our modern society that doesn't value those things Mm. could really do with having shoved in their face a little more often. There is a moral song about not putting it off till tomorrow. Yes, exactly. Doing it right now. Why aren't you doing today what you can? Yeah, what do today today? Why is it always tomorrow? Don't procrastinate. Yes. Or, you know, just do what you have to to get right now. Yeah. Get stuff done. Anything else? I think those lessons are pretty pretty out there. They're good lessons. That's pretty much it. Um, I would like to learn the magical stagecraft, but uh, (laughs) I hope they do a behind the. Yeah, I hope they do a special on it one day because it's just so much fun to watch. Pen a letter. Dear Tim. Dear Timothy. He does respond. I've written to him before. Ooh. It was a long time ago. It was like 10 years ago. So he might We heard know, he you used to famous. respond. <laughs> Let's see how this goes. <laughs> we would like a 12-part series on the development and production of Groundhog Day the Musical. Financed by yourself. Yeah, obviously. Because I'm not paying for it. Um, we, is that we, in brackets in the letter? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I reckon that could go well. Yeah. Okay. Done. Well, when and if we get a response, uh, we'll be sure to let you all know. Penned. Um, wait, just to be clear, have we actually, I don't think we've actually sent it, right? Or oh, no, we? we're going to send it. It's a oh, bit we're late send to send it. We're going to finish writing yeah. it. Julie's got to still write lots of love. Jules. Us. Yeah. Well, all M- of us. M-T-M-E-I-K. Yeah, yeah. M-T-M-E-I-K. Yeah, cool. Well, let's sign off this baby, but... After this small piece of music. So, Patrick, thank you for coming. Oh, thank you for having Thanks, me. Patrick. Thanks for talking to us about the thank show. You. I'm surprised you let me back after last time. I really am. We're going to keep getting you back because we really like you oh. and our listeners really like you. Oh, they haven't told me that explicitly, but. I can You're just tell. Vibes, I yeah. feel the vibe. No, yeah, vibes. yeah. You got a really sexy radio voice. I don't know if anyone's told you that. Look, I've also been told um, by my own mother that I have a face for radio. Oh, um, dear. That is, yeah. no one has ever said that. My to you, mother Patrick. has, and she is a stone cold bee. Is I love she? <laughs> is she half blind? Does she have cataracts? No, but she's got a fantastic sense of humour. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. what you mean to say is she was sarcastic? No, not necessarily. I think she just likes making fun of me. But, you know, that. <laughs> anyway, enough about my mother. Well, you brought her up. I did, yeah. I did. You did, um, you did. Anything, anything you'd like to plug? My mum. Good on you, mum. 
What so, a mess hey, you've mum. made. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the mess. She's a wonderful person. Um, no, I don't have anything to plug. I have, I'm, I'm not achieving much Wouldn't at all. You, well, just <laughs> do something so next time you come you've got something have to talk about. you learned nothing from Groundhog Day? I'm going to plug 9 to 5 work. 9 to 5 work. I do it. You probably do it. Isn't it just grinding us down? 9 to 5 work. <laughs> I am working... Nine till five. In fact, I'm working eight till four thirty, but it doesn't fit. I the song also as do well. eight till four thirty. Oh but my God. yeah, it's not lyrical. Nice. Twinsy. Anyway, I know. eight to four thirty. Yeah. It'll slowly kill you. <laughs> Only forty two weeks a year. Um, I can plug this podcast. Perhaps, okay, do it. Perhaps, do it. All okay. the information yeah. is on the so sheet there. There's this podcast, it's fantastic. You're listening to it. But what you might not have done yet <laughs> is left a review. You I have actually. It's it's lazy, and if Groundhog Day taught us anything, it's that you need to do it yeah. right now, not tomorrow, because you're not going to do it tomorrow. Don't be a procrastinator. My diet's tomorrow, so you can't do it tomorrow. My diet's always tomorrow. So My what you're going to do is, is tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, you're going to get out your phone. You're going to open the podcast app. It's purple. You're going to bring up the search function. You're not going to go to this podcast that you're already listening to. You're going to go to search. You're going to search for musicals. What's going to pop up first? Number one, numero uno, is Musical, musicals taught me everything I know. You're going to click it. You're going to go to ratings. You're going to give us a sneaky five stars. If you give us a four, I will come. I will find you. You're going to give us the five stars and you're going to write a nice review. To be honest, I don't care what you write. I don't think iTunes cares either. Just give us the five. You can flame us. You can say, get Patrick off the air, but just give it the five stars. I just want to say, like, you've taken a real confrontational tone. <laughs> I think you guys, have, you guys have been nice. I'm not sure it's... Well, we need a diversified okay. approach. So we need a bad cop. Yeah. So you're going to be the bad cop. Oh. Yeah, all right. Um, yeah, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be lock stock. I just want to clarify, yeah. if you have updated to iOS 11... You don't actually have to do that. Oh. All you have to do is go to the podcast. If you're already subscribed, you just need to click on the show, scroll down, and the ratings will be there, and you just have to click write a review. Oh, my God. Guys, it's even easier. So if you don't do it, look, I'll be outside your window. Oh, creepy. It's going to happen. Wow. And I'll just knock on your window and say, oh, could you please leave a review and then I'll leave and it'll be, it won't be, (laughs) it won't be very chronic. I was going to say, Patrick, because there are some people that might like that. So don't make that promise I'm not to sure too many people. anyone wants that. I do, actually. Um, I've just deleted my review. Um, well, I'll see you tomorrow, Miranda. I'll what? be outside the window. You'll get a cheeky little knock. And you know what you'll hear? You'll hear my dog sitting in the window going... Ruff, ruff. Oh, the dog's here and she does look like she's been hit by a car at the moment. She's it's very hot. She's very yeah. hot. Um, um, well, so thank you so much for having me. If you... Well, thank you for coming. Um, if you would like to... Uh, Speak to us on the Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com slash musicals taught me everything I know. You can tweet us at musicals teach me or you can send us a lengthy email complaining about Patrick. Uh, do it. Loitering outside your window. Musicals taught me podcast at gmail.com or just report him directly to the police. Um, Please don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like my job requires police checks. I'm, like fun games aside. <laughs> Please don't. Don't do um, that. Okay. Oh, but cool. I follow the Facebook and you actually, all, you guys also put up a lot of fun musical theatre news. It's my source of musical theatre news at the moment. Um, so 
that's that's a little something a little extra you get yeah. when you follow them on Facebook. So do it. It's great. If you want more extra stuff, oh. Patreon.com. Chuck us Ooh. a dollar a month. Patreon.com slash musicals taught me everything I know. Type out the entire thing. Have a look at all of the cool stuff that you can get, including our first two episodes that we ever attempted to record. Um, we did, in fact, record them, save them, and put them up for our Patreons to listen to. One um, of them is cats. One of them oh. is Cats. And I would just like to point out. No, no, no. Before we deleted it from history, we recorded this episode. That's correct. And I would like to point out, because I know that some people listen to this this podcast and they like cats. And I did a fairly good job of defending it throughout that episode. I was also on the defense. And you yes, yes, you were on the defense. So it is it is a 50-50, all right? Don't oh, think I don't want to listen to them just cat bash for, for an we, hour. We did acknowledge it has a place. the trouble. But there's a thousand ways to skin a cat and I want to do them all on this no, podcast. No, no, no. no, no. Um, so, if you want to come on and defend cats, if you're a Patreon level. Yeah, yeah. It's true. I believe it is $100 a month. You get to pick a show. We come to you. We record a show with you. If you want to pick cats and defend it, that's your best course of action. Andrew Lloyd Webber, this is your chance. <laughs> Send us one of those Patreon. crisp com. green dollar bills Woo-hoo. a month. One a month. You can do it, a Andy. Month. You got money. You got a little bit of got some savings somewhere. Send it I'm to sure us. that he does. Um, um, we would love to have you. In fact, we would love to have feedback from anyone. And if you're out there thinking, I know musicals. I know lots about musicals. I'm a famous person. I'm Zac Efron. Get in touch. Yeah, it's true. We're still waiting to hear back from Hugh Jackman. He was going to. He's going to do our Australia Day episode. Yeah, Boy from Oz. Yeah. So, but we haven't heard from his people like confirming that yet. So, is this a joke? No, that's it's in the schedule, Patrick. It's in the schedule. I just you wrote actually, it in there. I just wrote. Did it you in the like? Did he write back? No. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like he was like, yeah, sounds good. I'll have to talk to my people though. And you hadn't heard. From, oh my nah. god, my we, Patrick. We haven't Patrick, heard that. No, we Let would be telling check. everyone if that was the case. I've tweeted at him. I haven't got a response. You haven't tweeted at me. I don't have. Twitter. Are you on Twitter? You're no. not on Twitter. <laughs> Okay, Uh, thank you again, Patrick Aiken. I promise not to call the police on you. Please don't. Um, (laughs) But if you feel like loitering outside my window any time, I do enjoy your beautiful face, possibly more than your mother. Uh, Thank you also. Belinda is not keen. To my (laughs) co-hosts. Julie Eisentrager. And Zane C. Weber. I am Miranda Selwood, and this has been another episode of Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know. Join us next week for another fun Friday of musicals. Hooray, Bye. musicals!
Fire every missile we have at that godforsaken mothership and pray to God that it works. No, none of these ideas are going to work. I've got it. What we need to do is tell every citizen to leave their homes naked and just tell them to have sex with toasters in the street. The aliens will be so confused, they'll just sort off. If you'd like to see the alternate takes on political issues ranging from big to small, subscribe to a New World Order podcast at www.thatsnotkindofproductions.com forward slash a new world order. A That's Not Kind of Productions podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.